This podcast is supported by our friends at testallwater.co.uk, supplying the full range of test kits and reagents for the pool industry from leading manufacturers including Lovey Bond, Palin Test, Hanna, Lamotte, DTK and many more. And as a Poolcast subscriber, you can get even lower prices simply by registering at testallwater.co.uk forward slash Poolcast. Exclusive offer only to Poolcast subscribers. Yep, it tells me we are recording. Good afternoon, gents. How are you all doing? Very well, thanks, Ian. All right, Robin. Growing guys, all there for hearing about the announcement on Saturday. <laughs> I don't want to swear, so I can't make comments about it. Okay, you can make clean comments about it, Robin. Uh, well, no, I don't worry. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Better keep your mouth shut. Right, can I just start by saying, um, and you can see there are a few go to Testall Water's website, www.testallwater.co.uk forward slash poolcast, uh, where you'll be able to get an exclusive discount off your photometers, comparators, reagents, and, and various other testing products, which will be uh, fantastic. So, guys, this is our this week, this is our Christmas special. Yeah. Um, it should be with the sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, no one told me. No one told me. So, I've, I'm just dressed plainly here and you two guys have sort of really went for it oh that's not very fair not very really fair listen it goes without saying you get your christmas jumper on and you go for it yeah yeah so we are joined again by mr nix who's come back to help us in our christmas special who's uh, looking very christmasy in his jumper i'm the only one who's not um, and and uh, well last week ian uh, release a TN60. That was the, uh, the thing for us, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, all TN60 is really, I mean, if, if everybody's been following the technical notes all through spring and summer, then technical note 60, as we call it, we, we must state that it stands for technical note. One or two people have run me and said, what does TN stand for? Mm -hmm. uh, so technical note 60 really is pulling together um, the, the, the water chemistry behind why we're keeping pHs so low uh, and why we're keeping chlorine levels so high. So really, all TN60 is, is an explanation of what is happening when we add chlorine to water uh, and controlling pH values as well. So that's all it is, an explanation. And there are two very good, very good graphs and tables in there that should point operatives into chlorine levels and pH values. Yeah, it'd be a while since we've seen a couple of them, but um, it sort of jogged my memory of saying, oh yeah, I don't know exactly what that is. I know that's coming from, so. Um, it had been a while since I looked at them, that's all. I've got them kicking around in the office somewhere amongst amongst all my Marvel comics and stuff. Yeah, they're here. <laughs> that second chart, Ian, is really good. Um, I've not seen that for a while. Uh, very specific, very detailed. Um, it's similar to the chart that's used for the the Redox controller. Yeah, well, uh, very similar to that. Uh, yeah. The Millivolt reading, there's another cracking one. The 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 millivolts uh, reading for for the Redox controllers. Very the, the two go hand in hand really. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. I think if anyone hasn't looked at TN60, it's only three or four pages. So get on it. So we refresher for those that are already aware of what active free chlorine is and the relationship of pH. But the the charts that are on it are, are excellent, and you could maybe even 
screenshot them or, or copy them and put them into your swimming pool technical operator's manuals. Mm. Do you think, Ian, maybe sometimes that um, some of the candidates that maybe go on courses and training get confused because it's possibly the wording of, uh, you know, thinking of free chlorine and thinking of free available chlorine and then free active chlorine. Do you think maybe they're getting a bit tongue-tied and confused and coming away from courses not in, not entirely sure what they should be looking for on that sort of front? Yeah, uh, the, the problem is that there is no sort of unity between different countries and what they call, um, mm -hmm. we hear the term free residual chlorine, free available chlorine, active free chlorine, um, combined chlorines, monochloramine, dichloramine, trichloramine. So there's a whole host of names that we call it. But basically, bringing it back to basics, and that's what Ralph Riley has tried to do in terminology, is that what we should be doing on courses from the new year now, as it will be, is all of us, whatever organisation it is of the four that are within PewTag endorsement, that's the IOS, Palm, uh, Brio and Stockwell, is that we've all got to be saying the same message now. So from now on, the free chlorine test, DPD-1 as we all know with the reagent, is now the free available chlorine test. Now I think Ian, Robin, once we get into it, and we're putting it in front of classes and it's, it's in manuals and so on, I think you're quite right, at the moment there is confusion. But once we get it sorted out and move on from here, I think everything will be fine. Yeah. You know, the toughest part is the fact that DPD-1 just tests for free chlorine. Yeah. And that's where people just get confused. They kind of go into their default position, right? That's the chlorine level. What they don't realise is that le that level is affected by the pH value. Mm -hmm. And because, it, you know, some people, and, and I've even done pool plant operators courses, and maybe haven't been regularly doing water testing or pool plant operations or, or that aspect of the business, they'll go back to it and they'll do a DPD-1 and they'll actually get a free chlorine level of, for example, 1.5 and they'll think the pool's actually safe at that point in time. And they're not even, you know, they'll, they'll just do the pH test because they have to, not because they think, oh, I better check what the pH is to ensure that that actual 1.5 is working. Um, so I think there's it's it's generally because we only do that one DPD one test that people think that is the chlorine they can't get their head around. By the way, only fifty percent of that is going to be working if you've got a pH of seven point five. Is that maybe um also just thinking out loud? Maybe we need a rewording of a lot of our pull test sheets. You know, because a lot of the pull test sheets will say free chlorine at the top of the sheet where maybe we should be saying free available chlorine, getting them to almost change the, the wording of the column so they start associating the DPD-1, as you're saying there, Robin, with free available chlorine. Uh, you know, just a slight reword, basically. I think you should yeah, be honest on there, Ian. Definitely. Yeah, that, that'll be right. That's right. That's what we need to do from now on. But I think what, what Robin said there really highlights the point that certainly having worked in the industry as long as us three have, uh, and other colleagues as well, when I was a duty manager back in the early 1970s, that my boss would walk through reception in the morning and say, what's the chlorine level? You know, he never asked once what the pH value was, because I think in the UK, and it's not a criticism at all, I think we, we've all been led with the chlorine level, the chlorine level, the chlorine level. And a lot of the public perception is still, if your eyes still, or there's a smell around the pool, yeah, it's still yeah. there's too much chlorine in the water. If we started to say to our, our, our clients uh, and our guests that, oh, well, it's the pH, they would wander off and think, what's this guy talking about? 
it's chemistry and the sad fact is ph and chlorination is hand in hand in terms of water chemistry we don't try to confuse it but but certainly in my experience you talk to a class as robin was saying there about free chlorine they will get it in half an hour an hour they will get what the free chlorine level is then trying to explain that hang on you've got to take this in consideration with your ph value that's robin and where sometimes it comes unstuck because yeah. nobody is thinking about ph yeah. values like we, you say we, we've got to change that like you say there about the smell i often get that challenge at a course about people saying about smells and you know associated smell of chlorine with high chlorine mm -hmm. levels and one of the things i always say to them if if it's coming up in the first couple of days in the course i challenge them to go back to home tonight and put a little bit of bleach in the toilet a bit of domestic <laughs> whatever it might be and then leave it for a second and then i'll say right now have a pee in the toilet and then see where the smell comes from and it i know it's a bit crude and it's a bit you know not so great but it's trying to explain the ammonia content going in there to try and obviously then it reacts with it and then we're thinking about obviously our trichloramines coming off and um, and that's one of my little crude ways of start tracking <laughs> uh, like oh yeah my toilet smelled like a swimming pool mm, yeah <laughs> after you peed in it that's yeah. why so what you're telling us ian is that you try and gas your customers for business my guy. <laughs> and we've, all, we've all done those experiments the thin more thin <laughs> Bleach at home, drop some lemon juice into it, and so we've all done it. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen, the, the other way of describing it is I say to people, you chlorine smells And they'll say, generally, oh, it's not too bad, they get busy, that's the combined. I am getting a bit of feedback there, is that right? Just a little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, you got a tiny bit of a Okay. And um, Ian, so I'm going to put this uh, presentation that you sent me. Uh, let's have a little me a second. Yeah, what, what I've tried to do is to sort of simplify um, what we talk about when we do courses. Yeah. There you go. I've only put a title there, a working title. It's the chlorine and the pH in tandem. And no longer now can we have a look at pH or chlorine in, in a separate entity. We, we've got to, and that's what COVID has done for us, SARS has done for us. It's actually focused our minds on where we need to be. So we can't talk about chlorine without pH, but more importantly, we can't talk about pH in isolation of chlorine so it really does bring together both these areas that we've got to look at in pools and i think that's key to it, it, it's it's key that we have to talk about the two in tandem all the time um it, it, i mean i always use loads of different analogies and courses to try and get this through to people um for example the one i use i use an example of using petrol um for this so you know explain about people driving a car we go from a to b uh, say it's a hundred mile journey they do a hundred miles an hour you know getting from a to b but on the return journey they do you know 50 miles an hour they're still using petrol but the catalyst for the use of that petrol is the accelerator basically yeah. and that's what i explained to them that it really is it's the accelerator as to how active that's going to be and mm. how it's going to be as a killer 
um, and you know, and take less time technically, um, you know, for the system. And they kind of get it sometimes, but I don't think they kind of do. Um, you know, like you were saying before about lots of different terminology and explanations. I remember uh, a few years ago I did some work covering for yourself, Ian, and um, there was a lot of people. It was American, and they were talking about halogens all the time. Halogens, mm -hmm. halogens, and I was thinking, okay. I get that they're talking about the certain group of chemicals or elements, should I say, really on the periodic table that are referred to as halogens. And it took me a little bit while to get my head around it at first because I'm thinking disinfectants and they're saying halogens and I'm like, okay, I kind of get yeah. where you're coming from. And you're right, it's the terminology, isn't it? Many different countries label it as different things. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look through, I mean, the internet is a wonderful uh, vehicle for this that you look at what the americans call free chlorine and what the germans call free chlorine and it's it's not totally different but the terminology is different and in the uk i think sometimes we try and take the best of of, of everything which is quite right and so the terminology but i think as we said last couple of minutes i think going forward now what covid has done it's now focused in the uk everybody's mind on it so there's no reason at all why we can't start now in rewriting the words in the manuals uh redeveloping what we're talking and all three of us for instance on screen i'm sure in the new year we'll all be saying free available chlorine that is the dpd one reading in your pool and then when we move on in a couple of minutes to the active free chlorine yeah, which yeah. is what's going to work in the pool once we've taken the ph value into consideration it's, it's like a lot of people call total alkalinity bicarbonate alkalinity and and um, the americans call base when we're talking about alkaline ph yeah. scales and so on so it's, it's just different terminology but we've got the opportunity now to to move forward and say right that's what we need to talk about yeah that's, that's the good news yes yeah it's it's funny you know i i'd um had contact from a guy this week in australia um i don't know if robert had seen it on as well it was on a facebook group forum and he was saying he has to write a new procedure in and he was saying that the um the local i don't know environmental health or something like that were asking for contact time of the disinfectant that they actually use for and i was i said to him okay and initially i thought are you in america are you wherever and he said no no i'm based in australia nice enough guy mm -hmm. and i said well question you can't answer is because the ct rate will completely vary depending on what you're wanting to kill the levels of concentration the ph and also what disinfectant you're using in the first yeah. place I said, yeah. it's an impossible question i said i'd probably just put a table in there for the disinfectant you're using as mm -hmm. a basic table that you know you can find off the internet and leave it at that i said because to be honest i really don't think they'd understand it anyway um but too, I just many thought, variables. <laughs> too many variables ian yeah uh, i'm pretty sure the temperature has a variable in that as well yeah uh, depending on the the you know uh, the higher the temperature the the ct time should be quicker um but i can't remember if there's an ex exact chart for that i i don't think there is an exact chart for that because mm -hmm. uh the ph influences it uh, uh the temperature you know so you'd need too many variables to actually come up with an exact yeah. well it is you're right robin it's like anything else that I mean, most experiments that are carried out research that's carried out on pools and water is carried out at 25 degrees c well if, if we offered mrs jones 25 degrees c she wouldn't want to get into the pool so we have to compromise upwards obviously 28 29 but you're right uh, up to a certain point 
I mean, we're not talking about 37 degrees spa pool hot tubs, but up to a certain point, our chlorine will work better as it disassociates better in the water. Yeah. But um, as Ian's saying, there's no direct correlation. Uh, superchlorination, whatever you want to call it, shock dosing. We're talking about CT times there, um, concentration of time. But it, there's so many variables within pool water. That's I think uh, contact time is really talked about more when you compare products, uh, mm. chemicals, I should say, not products, like so bromine, chlorine dioxide, and chlorine. That's yeah. where we've used contact time in the past. Um, for example, the contact time uh, for chlorine to kill E. coli can be less than six seconds. Mm. Uh, for bromine, it can be sometimes up to nearly 20 minutes, they're suggesting in some of the, the tests that they've carried out. Now, it's very difficult to compare like for like, but that gives you a wee indication of what's more effective. Um, but you're not going to get exact amounts and you can't com really compare uh, chlorine with chlorine because there's too many variables involved with that. But you can yeah, but get an estimation on chemical versus chemical. Well, that, that is the same with what Ian was talking about a couple of minutes ago, where we're talking about keeping chlorine levels now in pools. Obviously, spars are slightly different, higher. But if we're talking about a 1.5 milligram per litre minimum, that does not mean that the COVID, for instance, would not be activated or killed at 0.9. Who knows? We've said 1.5 minimum throughout the pool. The difficulty that I've had, and I'm sure you have, is trying to convince operators that it's not just where they take the test from, it's throughout the whole pool, a minimum of 1.5. And then allying it to the pH value, the, the table in TN60, if you've got a, a chlorine level at 1.5, which is what we're adv advising is the minimum, if you've got a pH of 7, your active free chlorine is actually 1.16 milligrams per litre. But if you allow your pH to go up to 7.6, that same 1.5 free available chlorine is only got a, a, a 0.7 active free chlorine. So by keeping your pH at 7, it's nearly twice as effective as 7.6. And that's the same as you say in Robin with temperatures. Yeah. There's so many variables with CT, as you say, so many variables. And that, that's why we've tried, and it's Ralph Ryland that's been behind it at Putag, that's why we've tried to say to the industry, look, these are minimum levels. In the future, I, I'm confident we'll go back and drop below 1.5. But Ian, yeah. you made an excellent point a couple of days ago when we were chatting about ultraviolet. Yeah, that, it's regardless. You know, yeah, ultraviolet is static. So the water's got to go through the UV to break down the DNA, the genome of, of well, the, the RNA, DNA, whatever you call it, of the envelope virus. But at the same time, it's the chlorine. So we're still saying, even with UV, 1.5 minimum throughout the pool. And yeah. a pH of 7, of course, yeah. We've got to reiterate that point all, all the time, I feel. It's, um, it, 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 as you say, it's one of the biggest sort of questions that we get. So, you know, I'm, got, I'm, I'm conscious of moving on to this uh, next slide of yours. I've sat on this title slide for a while. <laughs> Let's um, have a little look at this. By the way, um, as Robin mentioned there, you know, one of the chemicals you could use was chlorine dioxide. Uh, it is available this week on Robin's Christmas special. Um, <laughs> it's available as his Christmas special. He'll even gift wrap it with a bow on it with some wrapping paper. It won't be the most expensive wrapping paper, but he'll put some wrapping paper on it as well. 
Yeah. Well, you, you're talking as a, as a joke there. I've just been around to our local supermarket earlier on. And as you know, we should have been in France this week. And that's gone by the by. We can't even get to France. And on the news, news at lunchtime, it was saying that there might be shortages in supermarkets. I've been in two supermarkets today. I have never seen as many carrots. So we must be expecting snow for the weekend and putting carrots on snowmen. So, yeah. So yeah, Robin's yeah. special offer of chlorine dioxide, yeah. And the carrot, yeah. And the carrot. <laughs> so here we go then, Ian. Um, right, okay. Now, all I've done here, put some force on the slides. Um, effectively, what I'm looking at is how we would approach this on a sort of training scenario. We know the human body pH is around 7.2. Now, we're not talking about the stomach. We're not talking about the skin. Generally, we're talking about 7.2. So it follows that we've got to keep a water that we are swimming in or bathing in, sitting in a spa, at round about pH 7, 7.2. So if we keep between 7 to 7.4, A, that gives the comfort to the bather so they've no need to fear about getting into our water. But also, as we've already just discussed outline, it's the efficiency of the chlorine. And, and once again, at 7.4, if you're keeping 1.5 free available chlorine in your pool, only 0.86 of that is any good at 7.4. Any chemicals that we add to that water will affect the pH value. Now, now I'm from the era, uh, and a colleague of mine, Mike Schuff, we're from the era where we used to use chlorine gas as our primary disinfectant. If we'd have left our chlorine gas on overnight, we'd have come in the morning to a pH of five or six, as we have done. Whereas now, most chemicals that we add to pool water, particularly the, the two main disinfectants, sodium hypochlorite, calcium hypochlorite, they will have a tendency to lift the pH value. So what I try and explain now is the only reason we're adding acids to our pools now is to bring pH values down, perhaps because of the chemicals we are putting in. At Pewtag, we advocated um, prior to the SARS, the COVID, to test three, four, five times a day. We're now saying test every two hours because we know things will change. And that, that testing is to ensure the viability of our water treatment. As we say, hypochlorites will tend to raise the pH value, depending where we are in the country, the hard water, soft water. Uh, and of course, it depends which chemical we are using to the locality, as Robin will know, up in Scotland. Yes. So if we've got calcium hypochlorite, we're probably putting in a chemical at pH 10, but we've got to put it in to disinfect our pool. And now we're asking you to perhaps raise your free available chlorine level. So you may be putting more chlorine in, which will follow that the pH will rise. Whereas if sodium hypochlorite, pH 12, 13, inevitably the same will happen. So yeah. that, that's what that slide is saying. Yeah, it, it's, it's a pertinent point, Ian, because I've had a couple of people on the phone today indicating that the carbon dioxide is no cutting it. It's mm -hmm. not managing to bring the, the pH down to the levels that they want it at, and they're considering using an alternative like bisulfate, sodium bisulfate, or even sulfuric acid that's been mentioned. Uh, especially if you've got UV as well, because you're having to use a load of chlorine if mm -hmm. you're using UV, because UV is actually killing the, clo the, yep. the chlorine, and you're adding more to compensate for that. So you're actually adding quite a lot of alkali to the water, and it's, it's, it's People are struggling to maintain that that target level of seven, so they're having to consider their other options. 
whatever they do, they have to do it safely and they have to conduct a risk assessment and cost assessments in accordance with cost 2002 and risk regulations 1999. So they'll need to make sure that they're doing it very, very safely if they're converting from CO2 onto sulfuric acid, hydrochloric or sodium bisulfate. But yeah, once it's down at seven, you're, you're there, you know, you're, you can usually maintain it there if you've got one of the two, mm. uh, you know, the sodium bisulfate or the sulfuric or the hydrochloric, they will keep it there. It's just what? a bit more dangerous to handle. Yeah, but there are two two points there that you've made, very relevant points. If we're on CO2, carbon dioxide, it may well be, and I certainly have the calls, that we can't get down to pH 7. Well, don't try, because we've said 7 to 7.2, 7 to 7.4. Now, at 7.4, all that would mean is that you've got to keep a higher free available chlorine rather than 1.5. And at 7.4, we're talking about up 1.7, up to 2, 2.2, 2.5, and so on. It's the chart that PewTag have just issued in TN60, which tells us if our pH is this, this is how much chlorine we should be putting in. So we've tried to simplify things. The second point, Robin, is if we start using mineral acids, then sulfuric acids, bisulfate, and then hydrochloric acid, what effect is that going to have on the alkalinity and other chemical levels in the pool? Uh, and certainly in soft water areas, I, I monitor three or four pools, as you know, up in Scotland, where because we're asking them to put their free available chlorine higher, they're on calcium hypochlorite, which is putting the calcium level up here in pools. So it's a, it's a matter that I think operatives now, not for the first time, we're pointing them in a direction which we, we're, we should have been doing this years ago, but COVID is allowing us to do it. And then... The, dare i throw another one in the in the mix that's the the balanced water yes which is proving to be very difficult and i'm saying i'm saying to clients now forget the numerical balance make sure the parameter balance is where we should be and it's opening people's eyes but we at the forefront we've got to start and say now this is what we've got to 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 train uh, and to, to bring into our methods of training so that the candidates the clients start to understand it Sorry, I'm going on a bit there. No, it's all right. It's worrying. It's interesting. I was just um, when you, um, you mentioned parameter balance, if anyone doesn't know what Ian's talking about there, basically taking the five individual parameters that you'd normally look at for a balanced water test and just getting the five parameters exactly where you want them and not worrying about the end calculation as to whether you're mm. positive or negative on the scale to sort of say whether you're corrosive or scale forming. So just basically, you know, aim for the things that you need on calcium, aim for the, what you need on total alkalinity, pH, whatever, and then just don't worry about the end calculation, just keep those correct. Um, Ian, this will make you um, chuckle a little bit. I had an inquiry, there was a general inquiry went up for a, a pool plant course at the start of the year, um, for next year, obviously, well, subject to all of this happening. <laughs> and um, I, know, I know the pool quite well, and um, I contacted the guy and said, look, you know, I'll come down and do it, all the rest, I'm quite available, and and I said, um, I said, and also, being honest with you, I'll be one of the few guys that will contact you that will know how to deal with chlorine gas. Because um, I know he's pulled a chlorine gas pool, and I was like, I bet you a lot of them will go down, and then they'll say, oh, my God, I've never dealt with a chlorine gas system. Ooh. And I said, um, I'm one of the few guys around that's still able to say I know yep. I'm doing Excellent. Excellent. You know what, Ian? Uh, I do a, a pool, BAMF swimming pool. It's Terry Parker's. I remember oh, yeah. Parker, yeah. Uh, from the ISRM. Good, he's a good guy. He's, oh, he's I've known Terry for years. Yeah. yeah, they've got uh, 
they've got the mustard coloured cylinders up there. And, uh, <laughs> scary biscuits when you go and deliver a course up there. Uh, it's the only time that I walk into a plant room and I'm like, oh, can't wait to get out of here. And oh, uh, do you know what? See the water. Yeah, the crystal water clear. Phenomenal. Mm. Uh, you know, people are walking about with six fingers, but do you know what? The water is tremendous. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So let's say I'll move on slightly. Move on. Six, six to six to Robin now. Right. The the the, the chemistry now then for 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 perhaps when I was writing this, I, I'm very conscious that a lot of people that come on our courses, you two included, lads, where they're novices. Uh, and why shouldn't they be? They've come into leisure, sport, recreation. I, I do courses at universities, as you do, uh, and they've come into sport, recreation to be personal trainers or whatever. So the chemistry. So th this slide, really, all I've tried to do is, is highlight the chemistry. When we add chlorine to water, it's what we know as hypochlorous acid, and it's always referred to in manuals and books as HOCl. That's what we call free available chlorine. That's the one we used to call free chlorine. Now, all this is doing is giving us an amount of free available chlorine in the water. What a lot of people don't realize that this is also naturally formed in the body, in our white blood cells. Now, in biology at school, we always said our white blood cells and platelets and so on would help to stop infection. Or if we get an infection, it will help to kill it. Now, when you think that we always try and make the, the, um, the sort of recognition that you've got salt in your body, you've got water in your body, you've got electricity, those three things we need for producing chlorine. So we are producing the chlorine that we know in our white blood cells where it fights infection. So it makes sense that we're putting the same chlorine chemical in our water. As HOCl, hypochlorous acid, we test for it normally with a reagent, DPD-1 reagent. But the important thing here is this is only telling us the amount of free available chlorine in the water. It is not telling us how efficient it's working. It's the pH value, once again, that determines how much of our hypochlorous acid is effective. And that's where all three of us this afternoon are talking about the table on TN60. And I think it's worth saying at this moment in time that we ought to be putting that in every plant room and every water testing procedure in the UK. Now, as the pH rises, the efficiency of the active free chlorine diminishes. And at a pH of 7.5, you look on the table and the free available chlorine is only 50% effective. So you've got to be careful because if we're talking about 1.5 free available chlorine, at 7.5, you've only got 0.78 free, uh, sorry, active free chlorine to kill any bacteria. Now, don't forget that is throughout the whole of the pool not just at the point you're taking the test. Now that brings into question the set points on the automatic dosing machines. Because if you've got a set point at 1.5, your machine will switch off when it gets to 1.5 through the cell. That may not be all areas in the pool, which why we said a blanket sort of statement saying that it needs to be 1.5 minimum at pH 7 throughout the whole of the pool. Now, if you think of an old pool, Robin, perhaps, where you've got a 25 meter pool, water comes in at the inlets at the shallow end, surely now the best place to test for is the deep end of that pool. Now, I've seen, and you two will have seen, people test from the middle of the pool, halfway yeah, down. Yeah. 
Now, okay, normal times, that's fine. But what about the deep end, one of the corners where there's hardly any chlorine at all? And that's what we're trying to say with the active free chlorine. Once again, that comes down to controlling pH. We know in other countries, Germany, for instance, 6.5 to 7.6. If we say that in the UK at the moment, we'll have difficulty. 7 to 7.4 is why we've said, because a safety of the bather and b the efficiency of the chlorine and with the chemistry side of things you think you've got your blood at around about 6.8 6.9 too many people are still thinking if we drop below seven that is major acid well, well there's no major acid till we drop down below ph 5 you know our skin has got a ph of 5.5 ish in there uh, and that's why i've put that in in the uk we're sadly we're, uh, perhaps the wrong word lazy but we tend to follow the amount of chlorine as i've said rather than controlling ph values so that's what i'm trying to say in that slide the the, the new way of thinking is free available chlorine is the amount of chlorine in the water active free chlorine is what is left after we've taken the ph under control uh, and also it might be you you two lads will tell me it might be that this table we're now promoting within pools we might need another column on our water test log sheet that says active free chlorine yes yes and then that means that our our operative can derive from that table what the active free chlorine is and i, I think that would be a very good indicator without too much effort in pools. I, I stand corrected if people don't want to do that, but I think we've got the table in the plant room, we've got the graph for the pH that we show on courses, and a column with the active free chlorine, I think we'll be onto a winner. It will get people's minds thinking of active free chlorine all the time. And Robin, that goes back to the table with ORP, the oxidation reduction potential. Yeah, we've seen that before. So. I, think that's, I think that's a really good idea, actually, almost, um, you know, so the, the right figure down, I'm at 1.5 just now because my pH is really bad. I've only got, I don't know, 40% efficiency as far as, um, you know, the active free chlorine. But two hours later, I've really hammered home with the acid, made sure, you know, recalibrated or whatever they've done. I've now got a pH of 7.2. So in actual fact, I've still got the same amount of free chlorine, uh, but the amount of active free chlorine in that percentage is now significantly increased because I've tackled the pH and made sure the pH is correct. I think that's a really good point, Ian. Yeah. One of the things you said there about as well, testing from the water, what I've been saying to a lot of clients is, it's all about this uh, dynamic flow of your actual pool. You don't know what's happening with the flow. And most of them haven't had a dye test. I've uh, been to a few recently. Um, I've showed those typical videos that you guys have seen uh, when it comes to dye testing. Um, and I said, look, you know, worst case scenario, do this yourself, set up a camera on a poolside tripod, do a time-lapse video or set up as a time-lapse video and then you can see this. And what I've said to the guys is, as, just as an example, let's say your set point was at 2.0. As you said, Ian, you've got all your inlets down at the shallow end, flowing up towards the deep end. Test the shallow end, it's at 2.0. Great. You test the middle of the pole, it's at 1.7. And we test the far end of the pole, it's only at 1.4. Then to me, that's saying, right, okay, back to your plant room. My set point, I'm going to try 2.2. Yeah, so put your yeah. set point at 2.2, repeat the same process then. So if you know if the shallow end's at 2.2, you know, I don't know, it's then at 1.8 in the middle, and then finally the deep end gets to 1.6, you say, okay, I'm now above it. But then you've got to say to yourself, is that enough of a buffer? Is that enough of a breathing space, uh, you know, for me to, to be able to work with my pool? So 
And what I've said to clients is once you've got that, you know that if you're at X in the shallow end, you're at Y in the deep end, and you're quite happy with the buffer, we can go back to just two-hourly two pull testing yeah. at the deep end of the pull. Knowing that at the deep end of the pull, if you've got a one seven, you're roughly going to be, I don't know, a two four in the shallow end, for example, because it's all simply about how the, the flow dynamics works. And 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 Robin, um, I know you've sold a lot of the stuff in the past and you've got the product available. Um, I can never pronounce it. Is it Dichromis Black? I think is the one that we use. Erichrome Black Tea. Erichrome Black so Tea. That's the one. For it, Robin Mitchell, R. Mitchell at Pioneering Pool Solutions. <laughs> get your Christmas orders in. If a special already, offer at Christmas, yeah. If you've not already bought the wife a Christmas present, Black Tea is the way to go. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. but on a serious note, you know, I know Robin's meant we're mentioning that and we're talking to Jess. On a serious note, uh, for those of us like myself in the south of England who have unfortunately went into tier four, uh, obviously for good reason to try and help stop this new variant, um, will your pool be empty now? And maybe it's such a short lockdown period, this tier four period, it's a perfect time to do it. To do it, yeah. Perfect. And at this point in time, we'll just cover that. Um, we're only locked down, we're getting reviewed after two to three weeks. Uh, so I would urge people to follow the technical note 46 and I would err on the side of caution and try and keep your circulation going. Yeah. The 1046 was written during the summer or earlier earlier in the summer. And you've got to remember we're now in winter. Uh, if we do get uh, really, really a real cold spell and you've no circulation in your pool, you could have issues with uh, potential you know, minus temperatures, freezing water. If you can keep the circulation going, I know crank down the temperature, maybe 24, 25 degrees centigrade, uh, you can crank back your, your circulating pumps if you have that ability to do that, but keep the water ticking over as per TN46. And also, maybe this is the time maybe over the, the next two, three weeks, four weeks, is to maybe check your circulation by doing a dye test it, it, you could do it during the day most places have to do it at night time because you can't do a dye test during operational hours but you could do it during the day now because you're now in lockdown so the options there you, all you need to do is email Ian Ian or myself and we can give you some assistance with that yeah, yeah. That's, that's an excellent point excellent point Robin and just to drop back to what Ian was saying there about dynamic flow uh, I was called down to a pool in uh, Devon um, it was a three-stage outdoor paddling pool and they got a turnover of one hour which was brilliant not a problem at all but they were getting bad microbiological readings all the time and they were testing it from the third pool now what it meant was although the turnover as Ian's highlighted was an hour which is within guidelines by the time the dynamic flow had got from the top pool to the bottom pool there was no chlorine left there was hardly any movement of water. We did the dye test and the dye just went into the bottom pool and didn't go anywhere else. It didn't go through the system because the, the dynamic flow in that turnover, uh, and that's the whole point of the dye test. It will show you where water's coming in through the inlets and how long it's taking and does it get to the outlets. Mm -hmm. I, I think really is it prime facing that whilst we close down, if you're looking for something to do during the day, do the dye test. It's, it's well documented of how to do it. 
yeah. I think it, that would be a winner. I, I think that would honestly shock a lot of operatives and managers into the flow of water through their pool. I really do think that. Yeah, no. It would be. Um, I've certainly got some good pictures of a pool in where there's a really random uh, one patch in the deep end. It's almost like about a two meter circle in the deep end where it just for some reason will not go. Um, it's a really strange random piece where it just won't go. I mean, obviously, I wasn't too worried about it because it was such a small area, this 25 meter pool, um, because of the fact people in it will help move it up and start up a little bit. But um, it's just this random circle. I'll have to show you them one day. It's, um, mm. it's quite an interesting one. But on you know, on a serious note, we're talking about obviously tier four. Um, fortunately for us in tier four, I don't know if you lads are aware of this, but outdoor pools can still be open for us in tier four. Mm. So two of my local facilities are still open. They contacted me and um, they're, they're still open. So that's fantastic. Uh, just to stress, one, one of them is heated and one isn't. Uh, I believe the one that isn't was four degrees today. I might be wrong on that, but I think it was around about there. Uh, yes, it was a, a slightly um, slightly in the chir chirpier side, shall we say. Mm, it would be. Brass, yeah. brass monkeys, man. Brass monkeys there, eh? Yeah, but, but I mean, what Robin's saying there, uh, we do, as you say on a serious note, have to be careful because if we're, if we're closing pools down and shutting everything off during this weather, we're still saying keep it around 23, 25 degrees, air and water temperature, uh, otherwise we can have some problems. We can. So, we'll go on to your next slide there, then. Yep. Yeah, um, just just highlighting here that um, the, the council of Putag and members of Putag, uh, through Ralph, I, I know it sounds corny to keep talking about Ralph Riley, but he's been the sort of guiding mind behind it. Um, and we've published a series of TN notes, technical notes, to help operators during the during the emergency, um, all the way through spring and summer. Uh, they've been putting together, we've been putting together and editing these notes and trying to get the best information we can. And the latest one is, say, TN60, uh, superseded today with TN61. But TN60, which, by the way, I don't know if you two knew, that is the French nuclear warhead name, TN60. No, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's the French use for their nuclear warheads. Can't yeah. say you that one. <laughs> a good one. Well, I mean, yeah, the problem, the problem is, I, I always remember four or five years ago when TN twenty one came out, and when people were putting in TN twenty one into Google, they were coming back to me and saying, "Ian, this is just a postcode down in Kent somewhere, Tunbridge in Kent." So of course, when I looked at TN sixty. And it's nuclear warheads. I hope Google are not suggesting that I am trying to get into the French nuclear warhead program. Anyway, by the by, the the the, the guide, the, ta the, the table on TN60, we've said it three or four times. There's nothing much more to say there. Um, it, follow the guide and it tells us what free available chlorine there's going to be uh, at pH value and the active free chlorine at the pH values there. I'm using the word vital. I think it is vital that operatives follow the guidelines. Um, and even with pools with UV, we're advising pools to keep at these higher levels during the UV. We know that UV will also break down the DNA, the RNA of E. coli and so on and so forth. But with COVID, particularly envelope virus, we know that chlorine at 1.5 minimum, pH 7, will do the job that we want it to do. Now, I, I know there, there are a couple of companies on the market who are suggesting that the chlorine has not been researched. Will it kill COVID? Which has scared one or two people. 
don't forget that the COVID is only the name COVID-19 is only coming from the SARS-2 that we did the research back in 2003. So we know that a respiratory virus such as this, COVID-19, SARS-2, whatever you to call it, then we know that chlorine will kill it. So that's what we're saying from Putag, and that's the work that the Putag group have been doing all through spring and summer. Well, in, you know, to add exactly to what you say there, you know that um, myself has been working tirelessly through the summer with uh, Alex Blackwell from Water Babies yeah. Yeah. on on COVID nineteen in um, in pool water. Uh, we've had a few hiccups along the way, uh, mm -hmm. more 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 recently because of people being furloughed and um, people being contacted by track and trace and scientists not being available. And um, although I can't re reveal exact results, I have seen the results for myself where I know that at certain pHs and at certain free chlorine levels that the virus is inactivated yeah. very, very quickly. Um, you know, we're talking seconds. We're not yeah. talking minutes or hours, we're talking seconds. Um, I do wish I could share that and hopefully one day I will be able to share that information. But unfortunately, I'm uh, on a non-disclosure agreement with it. But um, yeah, I, I, as you say, you had the original research from SARS-CoV-2 and I've seen him being part of the research with COVID-19 and pool water and chlorination levels. And um, it's been an experience and a bit of a journey and hopefully one day I will be able to show you some of that stuff. But uh, mm. we've seen some of the results from, come from it as well. Good, um, good. And they are good, don't they? They are good. They're positive. They're all good news results. That's all yeah. I can say, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, there a, is this a thing to maybe ask Ralph and Pewtag to maybe the level that we should be maintaining our free chlorine, we should be focusing on active free chlorine, and we should be saying that your active free chlorine should be a minimum of 0.5, as opposed to your free chlorine being a minimum of 0.5. I mean, that that's not going to happen overnight, but is it something that we maybe should be suggesting? I mean, looking at the industry and how, how much people have improved in terms of their compliance and they're now following the guidelines, they're downloading technical notes, they're asking questions. There's a, a vast improvement on awareness of PewTie guidelines, and, and I would say the industry as a whole is is much better at complying now than they were a year ago. Could we could we be ambitious and say, listen, you need to keep your active free chlorine at 0.5? And that would force the issue, wouldn't that? Just think yeah. about the box. Yeah, I, I think, to, to be fair, Robin, and, and that, that will come in later meetings. Because don't forget, at the moment, we, we've had to react. I know it's been nine months now, but we've had to react to do something that we had never done before so to speak. Whereas if you look once again at the European standards, the German standards, they're still advocating 0.3 to 0.6. But that's because A, they've got probably better pool hygiene than we have in yeah. terms of bathers using the pool. Uh, and B, they tend to use GAC, granulated activated carbon in their filters to take out all the chloramines and so on. So whilst ever we're having combined chlorine debates, uh, and in France, I think the maximum is 0 0.6 in, in pool water, Germany 0.2. Whilst we're having these debates, I think, yes, what you're saying is perfectly right. And I think once things start to ease off, if they start to ease off, then yes, we can start to look at. But I think the, the, the prima facie case here is the pH value. And it seems to have taken our industry by a bit of a sort of storm and said, this is what we need to do. 
we've got to accept next year, as you're quite rightly saying, is stop trying to chase chlorine levels and start to map pH values. I think the rest of it then will start to fall into place as this becomes the norm. And and don't forget, you two and myself, I would say Mike Shuff and people like that. That I did my first course in Loughborough last year. Uh, Loughborough University pool where every person on that course had got UV and when I started talking about combined chlorines one or two looked quizzically and said what are combined chlorines so I think we've got the opportunity now you're quite right that going forward we can start and put this in now with the backing of Putag and Putag will be looking at that there's no doubt about it yeah one of the things I always um, say to people when I start courses I ask them a question right at the start saying if we were to do like a, a rank of who runs the, the cleanest, the best pools in Europe, where, where do you think the UK would come? And they're all like top five, top three. We've got to be up there. Occasionally you get some people say, oh, we're not too great, are we? And um, and I always sort of use the Germans as a model. And one of the things I always do at the start of the course is I say, for my mind, I think it's the Germans have got an attitude of where it's prevention is better than cure. Mm. Um, so they think about our process of a pool way before the swimmer even gets into the pool, you know, with pre-swim showering, water temperatures, um, you know, swimming hats, what the what the person has to go through before they even get anywhere near the pool. So the ammonia content that's going into the pool in the first place is far insignificant compared to what we're putting into the pool. You know, it's much, much lower. Um, and it's it's all about, and we seem to have this attitude of, we'll cure it, <laughs> but they want yeah. to prevent it. Yeah, but I, th well, I think, I think, I think that attitude is, is influenced by the fact that in Germany it's a legal limit to have your combined chlorine at 0.2 milligrams per litre or below. A legal limit. See, when you start to regulate things and you make them a legal obligation, that changes people's attitudes. Yeah. And that, that's the difference between our country and Germany, Austria, Denmark, and even France, as Ian said, 0.6 is the maximum. Even in America, the maximum for the combined, I think, is 0.6 as well, or even 0.4. Mm -hmm. But that's a legal limit, whereas in, in the UK, it's not a legal limit. And if it was to become a legal limit, I reckon we would be forced to go down a better pre-swim hygiene route. Yeah. And at this point in time, the, the, the current situation in terms of lack of legislation for swimming pools probably allows us to treat it as opposed to prevent it. Yeah, but I, th I think moving on from here, not, not just our industry, but a lot of industries now, uh, supermarkets and so on, I think you'll see a change in attitude where people, uh, the general populace, want to do things rather than being forced to do them. Uh, and I, I think you're right, in the future, I mean, we will lead it from Putag, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's an attitude in our industry and an attitude from our end user. Um, it is, you know, we could spend the rest of the day saying, you know, do you pick litter up if you walk past it and so on and so forth? Well, yeah, we try, but other people just they, we don't bother. And I, and I think it's it's the mental attitude, and it will change. I think this this emergency has changed a lot of people's mental attitude to everything, not not just swimming pools. But I think it's good for us because it means we've got a new start and a clear mandate where to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we said, the, the um, TN61 was released today, you know, um, and uh, it was new to me, to be honest. Um, I, I've been at work all day, and uh, Robin mentioned it to when he came in the podcast. We've got 
TN61 that's just been replaced for combined chlorine. So that you know that, that's pretty startling, wasn't it? Wasn't it Thursday for TN60 or Friday was mm -hmm. TN60? And then literally four days later, I think that's some of yeah. the quickest concessions of technical notes I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, there is still a lot of technical notes. I mean, you asked me last week, um, mm. we, we got down to 47, 48, 49 and 50. Then yeah. why did we go to 60? But a lot of them, don't forget, uh, a lot of the interim TN notes between 51 and then through to 60 uh, are still sort of not on the drawing board, but still under discussion because one or two of those um, we prefer to leave at Putag till after the emergency is over. Then we can give definite sort of uh, um, guidance and instructions on pool. So, so bear with us with that. There might be four or five that we've not, but this one was one that we put in. But even on that, I noticed today that it still says up to one milligram per litre. Now, the point, the point with that is, I'm not saying that's bad news. But a lot of people will actually interpret that as they can keep one milligram per litre. And notice I, I, I haven't even mentioned this last 50 minutes about breakpoint chlorination. I think that is one of the things that it, I'm pleased it doesn't mention it in 61. Uh, but it's one of the things that, once again, I've seen on log sheets where it's written in black and white that the free chlorine will always be twice the combined. It says nothing about the levels of combined. So if you've got a free chlorine of three, as we used to call it, free available chlorine now, if you've got a combined of 1.5, people sail away saying, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. At least now in TN61, it's saying that, look, if we can try and get it to zero, we won't get it if we're not on UV, but at least we're talking about dilution, we're talking about good management of pools. And, and as Robin said earlier on, it's not a matter of getting there and then doing something about it. It's doing something about it to prevent it getting there, Robin, as you said. Yeah. TN61 is a whole lot of podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, own. we could talk about. Own, yeah, yeah, there is there is mention of measuring monochloramines and dichloramines. Mm, difficult task. Unless you've got one of these, if you're on the podcast, it's a pool test twenty-five. <laughs> you can buy these from Test All Water. If you put in the pool cast uh, <laughs> into the, the shopping bag, you can get a discount off it. Pool test 25. I've got a few of these. Love it. It's a great piece of kit. Test for monochloramines, dichloramines, sulfates, phosphates, brown butter kit. Robin. There's, there's my wee commercial bit done for Christmas. <laughs> Robin, I noticed, I noticed there's a pool's name on the side of that unit. Have you nicked it from somewhere? It's frozen now. It's frozen. Well, I, I'm selling nothing anyway, so I don't know. I noticed you've got a pool named on the side of it. Have you nicked it's that? It's mine because that's just his name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think going on what Robbie just said there, just to, to perhaps a passing comment. If the old ISRM, and I presume Simspar have done the same. In all honesty, I presume they've done the same. But the old ISRM, uh, Ralph and I sat. It was a Remembrance Day, actually, 11th of November, one year, in a little cafe in Nottingham, going through the new water testing poster, and we actually put in there how to test for mono and dichloramines with DPD ones, DPD twos, DPD threes. But talking to Colin Day. How many DPD-1s does he sell a year from Lovey Bond? Millions. How many DPD-2s? Probably two or three. <laughs> That's yeah. the difference. But, but once again, that TN61 is saying to us, look, gang, it's something we can do to make our water treatment better. And if, if COVID has caused us to want to do things like that, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, yeah. same thing. I'm for it. I did think it was a, a slight disappointment when the government guidance came up. And if I'm being entirely honest with you, I was really hoping for it at the time... Um, with the guidance 
sort of, you know, stay safe, you know, distance, wash your hands. I was hoping they were going to apply it to our guidance for pools, you know, about pre-swim showering is a absolute must. Because yeah. that could have been something that could have been a game changer for us, where we could have said, right, uh, once hopefully COVID's away, whenever that might be in the future, which hopefully is sooner rather than later, we could have just continued it. Because um, the interesting thing I think there is that um, the Germans, especially, their dilution rates are far, far lower than ours. And they, 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 we could have saved an absolute fortune um, when it comes to dilution rates and swimming pools to try and keep the PDS down. Because their dilution rates, usually they're only using roughly about 10 litres per person, where we're using sort of close to 30. Um, so we could have had a massive saving in our pools and made them more cheaper, more viable to run. Because as you well know, you're seeing pools kind of closed just now, aren't you? Yeah. Really, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I know we spoke, I think it was last week when I, I told the unfortunate news about your old pool uh, having to shut down. Yeah, my old pool in Chalfont, yeah. 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 I, op I opened that back in 1976, yeah. Uh -huh. In fact, it was one of the very few deck-level pools at that moment in yeah. time when we did that, because the number of people that came to see it, uh, because they couldn't understand how we could have a pool overflowing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Sad, very sad. Is it, it is a shame? I think I think the latest count is something like two hundred and twenty-six pools still not open. Uh, public no. pools in, the UK, in, Eng in England and Wales. I don't know yeah. about uh, Robin if there's a whole host of pools in Scotland that still haven't managed to open from the first lockdown. There is there is a lot of pools still yet to open. Hopefully, it's just a matter of time. Uh, I fear some may never open. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I, well, I make a great point regarding the, the dilution rates in, in Germany. But and a lot of people say to me on pool plant operators courses, Roman, how can Germany maintain below 0.2 for combined? Now, there's a variety of reasons for it. Uh, Ian makes a great point there about the activated carbon. But first and foremost, they ask every bather to have a 30 second shower using soap and you have to use shower caps or, or a swim cap. Now, if you think about it, if a lot of our pools are sitting at about 0.7, maybe 0.8 for their combined, right? The, the research says that you can remove around about 80% of all bacteria and contaminants off the body with a 30-second shower with soap. So straight away, if you take 80% off your 0.7, 0.8, of your combined, you're almost down below that yeah. point two straight away. So it, it's it's not rocket science. Get everyone to take a pass in the shower before they go in the pool, and you won't have to deal with it. And well, it's, that's true. But, but, it's so simple. And the Germans, it's not rocket science. It's not it's not science at all, really. It's just well, about getting rid of the crap before it goes in the pool. Well, it is. But it's like I was saying a couple of minutes ago. It's it's the mentality, and yeah. and and. Thankfully, that mentality is beginning to change. I mean, for instance, uh, on, on courses, I'll hold up an ingredient sheet for chemicals. I say, right, I'm going to read these chemicals out now, the ingredients. Which chemical do you think it is? And some of the younger students will say, oh, I don't know, but it sounds dangerous. And then at the end, you say, that's underarm spray. 
and they're spraying it under their arms and they haven't got a clue what's in it uh, <laughs> and one of the ingredients of underarm spray in the oh, old no. days used to be aluminium sulfate yeah, it's yes. now PAC so to speak to dry your sweat up so if you're drying your sweat up and then you get into a pool and it's still on your body not only are you putting the sweat in but you're putting in the ingredients from your underarm spray as well so robin you're perfectly right we've got to change the mentality but i'm hopeful i am optimistic that this sad emergency will change things in the future there's, there's no doubt about that Ian, I hope in you my know. opinion i hope you've still got some of your arms when you're self-shaving oh come myself shaving yeah i had a shave today yeah because that's what you used to use them for that, didn't they? I used to get yeah. alum sticks for, um, you cut yourself shaving, just dab them on and... Uh, that's right. It used to be called a styptic pencil. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> it. Used to buy them from hairdressers along with other things as well. Yeah. Listen, my old boss at Dumfries Pool used to actually go down and get out just a bit of alum and just rub it on his face. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, many, many years ago. I was oh, like, Oh, it's same as hypochlorite. I mean, we, we are on chlorine gas, but we always had a, a, a what we call a carboy of sodium hypochlorite. And my old boss, God bless him, um, he'd take his teeth out, false teeth, and just wash them in hypo, rinse them under the tap, then back in again. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Yep. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Robert, have you got anything to add for us this week in this podcast or not, mate? Have a very Merry Christmas, everybody. And if you still need that last-minute Christmas present, Desapure, Ericrone Black Tea, I'll get it out to you. But I'm yeah, no, nothing, you know what? It's been brilliant having Ian back on again on the Christmas special. We couldn't have got anyone else. Every year at Christmas has to be Star Wars and the Return of the Jedi is back. Is yeah. The Jedi Master of Cool Plan <laughs> and Water. No, it's still, it's, still, it's still humbling to be able to add to my industry over the last 50 years it's still humbling it really is in a time to have you on again Ian. Brilliant yeah. to have you on. just thinking about what, i tell you what 2020 has brought for you this year ian it's kind of um it's brought you up in it wise isn't it you've been podcasting you've been sort of zoom meetings and yeah yeah and uh, the, only, well, the, the, the only one i've still not mastered is this teams at rlss um, yeah yeah we're getting there we're getting there yeah but it's true absolutely true yeah yeah, listen, I reckon you'll be getting an invite on to I'm a celebrity get me out of here. You <laughs> celebrity status is through the roof at the moment. Yeah. How, how well, many I know we're big time now, Ian, aren't we? But you yeah, know, how many hits are we getting, Ian? Ian, that's uh, is still up there. It, it varies to be honest, but your your first podcast episode is still the one out out in front by a country still mile. There is it. All right. Yeah. Um, um, it must yeah, it's a country mile ahead of everyone else. Um, I don't know if we're still getting one from the summer ones. I haven't checked in quite a long time, yeah. to be honest. But, yeah. I don't think it was me. I think it's just the subject. P people I found through the summer, people have been genuinely interested in the subjects you've been doing. Genuinely. Yeah. There's nowhere else to go. Well, no. we've got a couple more guests coming up uh, in January. Um, we have... Uh, can I can I make a wee announcement? Ian yeah, yeah. We've got Bar and Ray lined up. All right, so yeah. Interesting design and build company. So yeah. we've got gentlemen coming in from there, and we've got James, Jimmy. I say James Hadley. We, I call him Jimmy because he's uh, apparently the guy that covers Scotland, but he's from Birmingham. Jimmy Hadley really? from Berlin Hydrotech has promised to come on and have a wee chat as well. Excellent. So we've got Excellent. a couple of guys lined up. So yeah, so I think next year it's the training that we've got to hit. Yeah. We've got to train 
it's the opportunity to train people properly forget what's happened good or bad optimistically next year is when we can start and train people properly because they will be understanding exactly what we're seeing with this uh, uh, this disastrous disease yeah thanks for joining us everyone this week and i hope we all have a merry christmas have a happy christmas cheers then cheers, cheers guys right. we've gone this podcast is supported by our friends at testallwater.co.uk, supplying the full range of test kits and reagents for the pool industry from leading manufacturers including Lovibond, Test, Hanna, Lamotte, DTK and many more. And as a podcast subscriber, you can get even lower prices simply by registering at testallwater.co.uk forward slash podcast. Exclusive offer only to podcast subscribers.